What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Little by Little podcast. Now, today's show doesn't have a specific topic because the person we are talking to today is so interesting. And that person is Benjamin Phillips III. How's it going, Ben? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. I've been seeing a couple people on here, so shout out to everyone who's been on the uh, the show before. It's been a fantastic production all the way around. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm the uh, I'm the oldest of three sons. Uh, Reverend Benjamin Phillips Jr. and then Dr. Sharon Phillips met in uh, Lincoln Heights Baptist Church, and so uh, you know I kind of was the start of our of our Phillips Empire. So I'm from Fairfield, Ohio. You know I claim Cincinnati, but you know from the suburbs of Fairfield and played basketball, volleyball. You know did some music, and then uh, just kind of been an all around type guy, and then that led me to uh, Miami. Nice, nice, nice. Now, when you say Miami, what do you mean? Miami University? <laughs> I mean, Miami <laughs> University, the Red Bricks in Oxford. Uh, and actually, that was not my uh, first choice. There was actually a story a little bit behind kind of my path to college. Mm-hmm. Um, my first choice was actually MIT. So oh, I was going to go, I was going to actually go play basketball at MIT. And so they flew me out there and, you know, I had a really good showing and I almost like broke one of the, the hoops because they were kind of flimsy. So that was really funny. Um, but I just had some trouble with the academic standards. I mean, because they're extremely rigorous. I mean, uh, MIT, Harvard, all of the the top schools like that. I mean, I was competing with people from you know India, and I mean, it was <laughs> it was it was crazy. But uh, that was a very yeah. humbling experience, and so that led me to uh, to Georgetown. And so Georgetown had been my dream school since I was like like nine years old, mm-hmm. uh, and because I literally envisioned myself as going to Georgetown, becoming a lawyer, and then becoming president. Like, just, <laughs> like, boom, boom, boom. It was those steps. <laughs> um, so I went to Georgetown. Uh, did, like, a little, you know, kind of welcome weekend there. And it just wasn't really a good fit for me. Uh, just the campus was not really what I thought it would be. And so that kind of led me back, you know, home. Only 30 minutes away from from Fairfield was Oxford. And uh, shout out to Miss, you know, Mama Michelle Thomas, because she was the whole reason I came here, as well as uh, Ozib Zare, Kyle Broadnax, and uh, Akoswa. So those are some names that every, you know, Miamian should know. Definitely, definitely. Those names speak volume. I know all three of them. <laughs> all four of them, actually. I know all of them. And, uh, they're elite, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you said you had basketball aspirations. So when you came here, did you still want to play ball? or? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I come in just as every, you know, high schooler comes in as they still are kind of finding them their niche and their selves when they make that transition from high school to college. And so, you know, I had a couple offers from places, uh, but Miami just really came through, you know, on the academic side and the prestige of their business school. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rod Mills is, is a mentor of mine, you know, kind of a, a, a big brother type. And uh, so I talked to him about it because he was on the, the ball team here for about four years. And, you know, he was also in Farmer, and he just spoke about how difficult it was being a Division One athlete, you know, also in the school, uh, you know, as the caliber of farmer school businesses. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a very hard dichotomy for me to face. And so ultimately, I just decided to, you know, focus on on my scholastics and my academic inve- endeavors. Uh, but me and, you know, my, my best friend, roommate uh, for so long, Jalen Warren, I mean, we, we did basketball freshman, sophomore year intramurals, so I still kind of got my fix in places. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just about finding finding that niche and making that transition for sure. Yeah, and as you said, you wanted to be a lawyer, so it's not like you had aspirations <laughs> of, you know, going pro. So. Right, right. My my uh, my family is all kind of acad- 
or a- academically and athletically endowed. Uh, my father, you know, he played uh, basketball over in Luxembourg, so he has nice. some overseas, you know, uh, things on his resume. And my my brother here, Isaiah Phillips, he's a freshman. He's a boxer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he's he's cold. I mean, I don't even fight him because I know he could beat me up any day. So I just leave him to his own, you know, devices. Um, <laughs> but but my baby brother, Michael, Big Mike, uh, he he's the one that you know is is the pro pro bound he he's amazing he's taller than my father my father is six eight so michael's you know standing around six eight six nine is so he's he's definitely the one that we kind of push towards the uh the basketball pedigree yeah yeah he's the younger brother but you know they call him <laughs> big mike <laughs> literally i've seen that dude on videos it was huge yeah he's he's monstrous just a monstrosity football player he's fantastic he barely has to jump off the ground to even dunk yeah it's just not even fair <laughs> so how did your aspirations change as you got older because you said earlier you wanted to be a lawyer than the president mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I know you're involved in a lot of things now, and I'm going to let you elaborate on that <laughs> to let them know, because I already know. Right, right. Um, so a, a quick background, and I'll, I'll come back to your question. Um, so I'm involved in a, in a myriad of things. On campus, I'm, you know, I'm, I work in the dean suite, so the Farmer School Business Dean Suite is where I you know, have a student job, and I make a lot of connections there. Um, I'm also part of, well, I'm transitioning out of MBA, which is the Multicultural Business Association, which you're a part of. Um, so shout out to the new exec board for, you know, the 2019-2020 school year. Um, I know that Milana and, and C.J. Walker are going to be leading that charge. And then some other things around campus. I do a lot of work with professors outside of the classroom, um, which kind of transitions to my, my consulting firm. Um, so J.C. Baker & Associates, we're a global consulting firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio, but we have offices um, in Charlotte, uh, Atlanta, L.A., um, and we do work all over the world to just help businesses grow at any and all levels. And so I'll be opening uh, an office over in Asia, which I'll touch on a couple later in this episode, but I'll be the you know, the director for the Asia-Pacific sector. Um, oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> as a, And then also I kind of have my, my own company in which I hold all of my aspects and and um, things around, which is the Lone Wolf Mentality LLC. So that's where I have my, you know, my, my book agreements, my speaking engagements, a lot of my resume consulting. So it's just a, it's always a lot going on. So I always make sure I keep myself busy. Whew, let me take a deep breath. You just threw a lot <laughs> at me right there. Man, I'm trying to catch up. I know you over here starting your picks and everything. You, <laughs> you know, so we share the same entrepreneurial spirit, which which is why I'm really glad that you know we're we're kind of tethered. So yes, definitely, brother, definitely. Um. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just before the audience gets confused, no, I am not speaking with a 40-year-old man. Ben, <laughs> please tell them how old you are. <laughs> yeah, so I'm uh, I'm actually pretty young kind of for, because my birthday is in April, so I'm, I'm 20. I'm 20 now. and uh, 20. Yeah, so 21's coming up soon, so that'll be fun. Yes, he's double digits, ladies and gentlemen, but he's not 40. <laughs> I know you guys are like business, Asia, he's 40 years old. That man is not 20. Yes, he's 20 <laughs> years old. I've seen his birth certificate. <laughs> um, so can you speak a little bit about uh, your book? Because I heard that in there, and mm-hmm. I know they heard it. You mm-hmm. have a book at 20. Yeah, so so the book was actually um, an amalgamation of kind of all of the things, the trials, tribulations, highs and lows, peaks and val- valleys of what I've been through um, ever since I really kind of turned 15, 16. And um, the background of it is that my mother – uh, she has her doctorate in child psychology. So um, for all the people who you know are aspiring psychologists out there, Dr. Sharon is the truth, and I can connect you later. But um, So she was actually in the process of writing her own book. 
and uh, she had one chapter left before things started getting really hectic with work and with family, and she had to put it on hold. And so my father said, well, somebody has to write a book. And I said, well, hey, man, I mean, it got to be you because I have finals and, and, <laughs> and projects and things. And he said, no, uh, write a book about what it's like being in college from a, from a college student's perspective. And so I kind of brushed it off at first. But as I really started to delve into it and think about it, I haven't really read a lot of college books from the perspective of not only a, a, a black man of color in college, but also just, you know, someone who's 18, 19, 20, who've, who has been through the same things I'm going through. Right. And so I wrote it at 19 uh, over J term. I locked myself in my room for, you know, whatever that four or five week period is, put my jazz music on and just wrote away. And that's kind of how the life came to it. So. What's the name of the book? You didn't even tell us the name, man. <laughs> the, the, the name is called The Lone Wolf Mentality, A Millennial Mindset. It's about the transition um, between high school and college, how to be successful in college and internships, and then just some basic financial literacy tips for students, all kind of uh, put inside of, you know, those 100, 130-something pages. So. And where can we get one at? Uh, you can get it at, at most places. If you type in, you know, lone wolf mentality or my name, I actually got myself registered on Google now. So that's the first thing that pops up. Um, so Amazon, Target, Barnes and Nobles, I mean, anywhere that books are sold, you can get it. Uh, and so actually the story behind that whole process for people who are, because what I'd like to tell people is that every single person has their own story. Yes. And so and and once people really believe that, it's about just putting it down on pen and paper and actually exploring the crevices and, and, and cavities of your own brain, right? And so for me, it was just actually locking myself in my room and just letting my mind go onto the page. And so everybody has that. And then once you have that, you have to actually execute that plan, right? Mm -hmm. So I talk about execution a lot in the book because uh, everybody has goals, everybody has dreams and plans, but they'll never... Uh, come to prominence without execution. And so, uh, you know, I had started, I wrote my entire manuscript and I had my English teacher from high school actually go through and edit it. And uh, she was excited about that, you know, adventure <laughs> and, and aspect of things. And so I had it, uh, you know, shipped throughout a lot of publishers within the Cincinnati, Dayton, kind of Columbus area. And there was one publishing company that took a chance on me, Brawler Books, um, David Brawler from Dayton and, and, and that agreement, you know, kind of changed my life. He said, I understand that you're in college. We've never had a 19 year old write with some uh, aspects pertaining to college and of such length and brevity um, that you're portraying in this book that they fronted all of the publishing costs. And I don't know if, if you know, people know, but it costs around anywhere from five, six, seven thousand dollars to actually get it published in its entirety. Um, and so, I mean, that was nothing short of a blessing. And then it's, you know, we've been hitting uh, the ground running ever since. Yeah, that, you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> so when you come up with an excuse and you say, oh, I can't do it. No, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying to be like Ben or to be like me or to be like anybody else. Be you, but you can do it. Just execute you. That's exactly right. Yeah, actually, Ben, speak on that. Because here at a university, I see a lot of people who try to be, I don't want to say something they're not, but mm -hmm. something they're not. Mm -hmm. And it seems as if you stay true to who you are. I don't I don't really see you partying. I don't see you doing, I don't see you having to do what everybody else is doing to feel comfortable in your own skin, is mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, and, and that's such a fantastic point with just so many different intricacies and, and, and fallacies and points of views behind it. Um, so first and foremost, my 
my fundamental understanding in my short kind of tenure within these two decades of life that I've lived so far uh, is that not only do we only have one life to live, is that we only have our own personal life to live, right? Mm -hmm. So we only have our own skin, our own flesh, our own mindset in order to execute what we want to do. Um, so in fact, trying to do something that you know you're not, know that you don't have value in and trying to follow the crowd, to me is not only just a, a waste of time, but it's a waste of soul. And I, and I say that because there's just so many things to do in this world and, and so many places to go and so many things to be. And I'm sure that everyone has felt that, that calling. And so you're wasting your time when you try and, and struggle on the path or, or, or find things that other people are doing um, in order to kind of fit in or do what you're trying to do. And so for me, my core belief is in, you know, my last name. Everything I do is for the wealth and generational equity of the Phillips empire. Um, and so there, there's no slight to my plans or my future at all because everything is predicated on my grandchildren's grandchildren, right? So there's, there's, no, <laughs> there's, no, there's no stopping down because I'm doing it for, uh, you know, Benjamin the, the eighth or ninth down the road. Um, but in, in regards to your question, I, I never felt the need to do that because I was always, and, and some people call it pride, some people call it arrogance, some people call it whatever they may call it, but I'm just, I'm actually in love with, what I've become and what I see myself as. And so that statement is very infuriating to some because one, people have you know their own issues and their own um, things that they're going through. But I just have so much confidence in myself because I, I always have proved to myself that I can do what I set my mind to, right? When I was writing the book, people were- Hating. People were literally snapping me, you know, DMing me, whatever. Like, why are you writing a book? Who's going to listen to you at 19? Nobody cares about what you're writing. From, like, people who I thought were kind of in my corner. And so when that realization um, came to a head, I, I was just like, well, this is kind of going to be where the lone wolf starts from. Um, and, and, and the whole partying, drinking thing, I mean, that, that's a valid point. And so if you're doing that, you know, make sure that you don't do it in excess and you're very safe about it. That's another topic that, you know, we'll have another hour or so that we can touch on. But just please be safe out there if you're doing that. For me, it's just about breaking generational curses. I have family members and, and extended family that, you know, struggles with alcoholism, drug abuse, um, things of that nature. So for me, it's not I'm not trying to be cool by not doing it. I just don't want that into, you know, my lineage. I just want to kind of stop that. So that's that's the right. whole yeah. uh, that's the whole stoppage oh. to that. So I, I never criticize or condemn anyone who, you know, partakes in those behaviors. Just for me, I just see it in a different light. And so that that kind of just allows myself to to move a little bit different because my my path and my mind is so concrete from what I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to do. I like that. I feel the same way. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that alcohol statement. Like mm -hmm. I've seen it affect family members mm -hmm. a certain way. So I'm just like, no, I don't want that to happen to me. Right. I don't want that to happen to my family. And you being concrete and knowing what you want is. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people would look at that as arrogant. Mm -hmm. And I also relate to you when people were telling you, like, hey, why are you writing a book? Who's going to listen to you? Same thing when I started modeling. It of was course. like, what are you trying to do? It was everybody wants to become a modeling. Uh, oh, it's a scam. Oh, oh, blah, 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 blah. But now it's, oh, congratulations, exactly, man. And right? all that mm -hmm. stuff. But no, I never forget because, you know, they say, um, I think it was Maya Angelou, I think you said. Uh, you never forget how someone makes you feel. Mm. You can forget what they said, but you won't forget how they made you feel. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely that something. That is so true. Yeah. That is so true. Um. So what else did you say? You said 
consulting, Asia. I mean, speak <laughs> about what you want to speak about. Like, tell us a little. Yeah. <laughs> tell us. We want to know. Um, so a lot of people don't truly understand the work I do besides a, sm- a small inner circle. Um, because what I, what I do is very basic from a generic uh, verbiage standpoint. But the work that I actually do uh, can be sometimes convoluted and complicated. Um, so I'm, I'm a general business consultant. Right. So what that means is I actually help businesses, people, companies get better. Um, so, for example, it's, it's everything that I'm learning in my business class, plus the practicality and application of the real world. Mm-hmm. So I have clients, you know, one of my clients is in South America and they have a gold mining company. So they're literally, you know, mining gold into the ground in Colombia. And so I'm helping them with that process and facilitating their finances, their supply chain from Colombia to uh, the United States from everything that has to do with commercialization, sustainability, green sourcing. Um, and the, and these are topics that some of my business people are probably cognizant of, but that's the work that I do on a day-to-day basis. It looks extremely different. You know, I work with the NBA, the NFL, all of these fortune 500 companies. You know, I, I, uh, we do a lot of work with Little Wayne and Eminem's camp. I mean, it, it literally looks different every single day. One day we're helping somebody code their app, and another day we're helping somebody, you know, launch a, a T-shirt company mm-hmm. or, you know, any type of startup. Or, you know, I'm, I'm going over to the Philippines to kind of build out our global footprint over there, looking at uh, what does, you know, Asian and, and Filipino uh, lineage look like in terms of royalty. Right. So so helping them kind of ex- expand their their family tree uh, through business. And so it's just a lot of different things I'm involved in, which is why that freshman year, you know, as and I say this to everybody, freshman year is your year to just almost just go crazy. Be safe, stay alive, but just explore, uh, you know, you're in a new environment, all that stuff. So I had a I had a phenomenal freshman year. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, Jalen Warren and I have a lot of stories about that. But then sophomore year, uh, things started to – and actually freshman year, I'll go back to this real quick. Freshman year is – even though I'm saying that, I was still focused, just as you were freshman year, right, because I had gotten my – my uh, my internship with Ernst and Young, which is a big four accounting firm, my freshman year because I saw Kyle Broadnax do the same thing before I got here, right? So I found it's not that I was isolating myself. A lot of people think the lone wolf mentality is an isolation theory, but it's really just finding who you really connect to and want to you know live and thrive in and and do it that way. So I found Kyle Broadnax. He had the same freshman experience here that I wanted, and so I attached to him, and he coached me through all of those things. And so for that, I'll be forever grateful because he set me on the path, whether he knows it or not, that's you know led me to the success I have now. So always make sure that you're looking up to people, the right people, um, you know, when you enter college. And so sophomore year led to more and more developments, and, and here we are, junior year. Um, so that's just a little bit of, of what I'm into. Just a little bit. So... <laughs> Now, you do so much, and I'm going to ask you about the Philippines in a little, but Mm -hmm. you do so much, and a lot of people will say, well, how do you do it, Mm -hmm. and what do you do when you get overwhelmed? Mm Because you do get overwhelmed, right? Oh, for sure, for sure, all all the time. How do you handle it all? Uh, So so my father, right, so I'm a a preacher's kid. Uh, Uh Uh-oh. So I grew up up (laughs) in the church. I grew up around, you know, raised and and loved by the Spirit. And so for me, music was always such a creative outlet for me. Um, 
I, you know, I like to think I can sing. My family tells me I can't, but I, I usually just don't listen to them and do it anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you know that's that's what I grew up around. And so whenever I was overwhelmed or, or stressed or just needed something to stimulate my mind that wasn't school, business, or basketball, I, I turned to music, right? So I, I really love the piano. I played. Uh, alto saxophone in high school. I'm teaching myself guitar and trying to learn, you know, the trumpet here and there. And so there's just a lot of things that I do um, that you you have to take a break, right? Because if you do what I'm, you know, or whatever you're trying to do, 25-8, which is actually the nature of consulting, is that you will get burnt out. And so you have to make sure that you force yourself to take momentary lapses in time to just look around and think that, you know, I'm here right now. This is reality. Um, and so sometimes, you know, when I'm walking from farmer, you know, I, or I just failed an exam or, you know, whatever, because that <laughs> does happen. I mean, I, my first exam, I totally failed my accounting 221 exam. But I was walking across Cook Field just like, man, this is a beautiful school, right? I mean, like this is I had thought about being in college since I was young watching the movies, watching TV, and I was like, wow, I'm in college. So actually just taking that time to self-reflect is just extremely important imperative. So that's how you manage it all, you can say? That, that, that's how I manage it in a sense. Another one is just is just acute time management, right? So I And so when I talk to a lot of business owners and business professionals and do a lot of my own podcasts, uh, learnings, and, and viewership, right, Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, yeah, Gary V. Um, he's very outspoken. A lot of things I agree with, a lot of things I don't agree with. That's besides the point. But he has a, a line in there that he believes in seven-minute meetings, right? So mm-hmm. I always make sure that I – and sometimes it comes off as brass. Sometimes it comes off as, you know, sharp or whatever it is. But I just believe in execution to a T, right? So I'll have a five-minute meeting or a six-minute meeting or a seven-minute, you know, call, and I'll just move on. Everything in my schedule is extremely surgical, Right. I was just reading an article about uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and how he's doing everything. Right. Movie star. And then I don't know if you're familiar with everything he's into entrepreneurially. Right. Mm -hmm. With with Under Armour, with Titan, with his own tequila brand, with everything that he's doing. I mean, his schedule is literally 1050 a.m., you know, lift or end his lift. And then by 1057, he's doing something else. Right. So his timeline is extremely methodical and surgical. And that's just how I live my life and manage my time. Because every single millisecond to me is a is a monetary amount, and so I make sure that I never leave any money on the table ever. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> never leave any money on the table. That's that's very interesting, and I I agree because time is very important, and I feel like we waste a lot of time. Uh, I wouldn't say like giving people support, but like love over loving them or like looking at someone on instagram all day when you could be using that time to better yourself right now that's interesting that's an interesting point because and and i've struggled with that a lot um freshman year sophomore year um you know I, i was very social media heavy now it may seem as if i am but i'm really not um and to your point right if you're if you're obsessing or if you're admir uh admiring someone from social media and you you know like to like all their pictures or see what they're up to all the time the best thing that you can do, and I think uh, Carlos spoke to this on his other session, was that if you build yourself up to such a caliber and then go and present yourself to that person, I mean, the relationship itself um, exponentially grows because you're not both trying to you know, figure each other out, figure yourself out. Once you understand who you are, what you are, what you're trying to do, and you understand uh, the value that you bring to the table, that benefits everybody in the room mm-hmm, for sure. I agree. I agree because like, it's like, 
if you have no aspirations and you're just some groupie and you're messaging someone, they're going to be like, this is just some groupie. I'm not going to respond to you. <laughs> but, like, if they see, like, because they're, they're going to look on your page, even mm-hmm. though it may seem like, oh, no, I'm not looking on your page. Like, there have been people who I've reached out to before, and I know they looked at my page even though they didn't respond. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I feel insulted by it. Or, right. you know, I'll be like, hey, let's get lunch. Mm-hmm. They'll respond. They'll be like, okay, let's get lunch. Mm-hmm. And then later I'll follow up. I guess they call it Hollywood talk in a way. Oh, right. So For sure. that's something people run into and I run into quite often. But they're going to look and, you know, if they were like, oh, okay, this person's interesting, they're going to respond usually. But mm-hmm. if they see you're a groupie. Yeah, and so for <laughs> for my Instagram, I mean, I used to, I used to, oh my goodness, if you look at 14, 15, 16 year old Ben on Instagram, it was literally like those, uh, those you know, to be honest, and, and yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but now, I mean, I I literally don't care what I post anymore. Like the other day, I, me and my brother went to Trader's World. And, uh, you know, we're big anime watchers, heavy, heavy anime guys. <laughs> and we went and bought these katanas. And so, like, we were just out there slicing onions and apples, and I posted it. And, you know, it didn't get, like, as many likes as whatever the other thing. But I like, didn't care. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to drop it. And so once you kind of get out of that your own head, and that's an entirely, you know, topic that needs its own separate conversation. But social media, I think, is coming to a point where it's starting to get um, lethargic and it's starting to get just very just cumbersome in terms of personal growth and, and mental safety. I just I'm I'm really starting to hate it honestly. Yeah, because it it presents this fake reality to some people. You know, a lot of these people who you see, a lot of their pictures are edited. Mm-hmm. My modeling pictures are edited, mm-hmm. and that's because they're professional. But still, a lot, I mean, a lot of this stuff you're seeing is not real. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not as real as you think it is. Exactly. And yeah, I saw that post. You were playing Ninja Fruit <laughs> in reality. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about the Philippines. I've never been in the Philippines. Have you? Yeah. Uh, so actually, a lot of people don't know this, but I, I am Asian. So my grandmother was born in Cebu, which is one of the islands in the Philippines. Cebu. Um, okay. Yep, yep. So uh, Cebu, which is, I think, towards the southern part um, of the Philippines. And so I journeyed to Manila. And so this story... Um, has a lot of kind of plot twists and it, it, it may seem fake um, to some extent because it's still n- surreal to me and my family. But I, so I was finishing up my second internship with Ernst and Young. You know, I completed it freshman year, went back sophomore year, and towards the tail end of my internship, my baby brother, Big Mike, who lives down in Florida, my parents are together, but they bought a house down in Florida so that way Mike could, uh, you know, have a better basketball journey. He got scouted at this tournament and um, you know, they, they got to talking with the coach or whoever was the recruitment at the time, found out that we were Filipino, changed the whole game. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with basketball in the Philippines, but mm-hmm. the, the demographic for basketball globally is obviously the US and then China and then the Philippines. Philippines yeah. yep. And so uh, it's just such a hot, a hot commodity, a hot culture. I mean, it, it is the epicenter of Filipino life there. Um, and so, you know, they, they recruited my brother and they talked to my father and uh, I haven't played organized basketball since, you know, high school. And so my dad just, you know, sent him my high school, you know, mixtape, which was hilarious as it may sound. But they there's not a lot of tall Filipinos over there. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, they, they definitely liked my brother. They liked me. And so they the the recruitment for this school over in the Philippines that that's recruiting us flew us out to Manila. And so Manila is another city in the Philippines. And so that was my first time ever going there. Yeah. And so I was I was literally I was doing Michelle Thomas's uh 
passport program, and I had to leave early to go to the Philippines with my brother um, on this recruitment basketball trip. So long story short, my brother ends up staying. He commits to this school in the Philippines. I have to fly back on a Saturday because I have class on Monday, and we're 13 hours ahead. So I was literally flying back in time, but it was a 24-hour day of travel, so I was all wired out. I mean, I was super messed up. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm – uh, I have some developments that are happening over there, so I'll be looking to do about a year um, study abroad over there at this, you know, specific school and, and playing, hopefully playing some basketball there alongside my brother. And then, so I'll be leaving from, you know, January to, you know, January, and then I'll come back, uh, graduate my last semester, and then I'll head back over there um, for about three, three to four years um, as I look to get my master's and my doctorate in, in business. So it's a lot of things happening at once. Um, but my main goal was just to be there for my baby brother. So, And I like how that works because he wants to do pro. Like, that's what mm-hmm. he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And although pro was never your dream, it's possible. Yeah. And while it's also possible, there's other opportunities that are possible. And, which, and I love that word. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is such – this is just some something that I – really need to just make sure I hit home is that the word opportunity is the best word in the English language. I just, I mean, opportunity is the most important thing that you can ever do, seek, or have in college, right? So there's a lot of talks in mainstream and in some of the underground stream in terms of, you know, business and society about is a college degree worth it, right? What is the value of a college degree? And to me, everything about that conversation is thrown out the window because of one word, and that's leverage, Yep. Right. So it's it's yeah. how you leverage not only your time here, your degree, but your experiences, your connections. Exactly. Me, uh, me working in the dean suite was not so I can make eight twenty five an hour. Right. Me working in the dean suite of farmers so I can meet all the CEOs first. And so they, they see my face. I have my business cards, which you know all too well about. You oh, know. yeah. I've uh, been at all those yeah, events. Yeah. So, you know, he's <laughs> yeah, he's he's the truth. Um, but. You know, like that, that to me is an experience, right? So when Dr. Sanjay Gupta comes to town um, and I get to, you know, kind of have this private, you know, student session with him, I follow up with him after because he recognizes me, knows my book. And so now I'm, I'm hopefully getting a talks to kind of do a, a book presentation on CNN with, with Dr. Gupta. We had a private call a couple of weeks ago and he's an amazing guy. But that's what I mean by opportunity and leverage, right? So my mm-hmm. Miami degree, it might cost 32000 to go here. But if I'm looking at opportunities from the sense of getting on CNN at the Atlanta headquarters with Dr. Gupta, thirty-two thousand ain't nothing. There, there's no, there's no <laughs> monetary value to that because I'm gonna turn around and leverage that for something even more. Yeah, I totally agree. That's what I always tell people. Like, it's not the degree; it's what you do while you're getting the degree. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, mm-hmm. there's so many connections here I've made. Even like you as a connection, mm-hmm. like, that's led me to opportunities with J.C. Baker and Associates. Like, yes, sir. So people don't realize that. Um, but how do you feel like going to the Philippines? Are you nervous? Uh, I'd be nervous. Uh, I'm I'm a little you know I'm a little conflicted. You know I'm definitely it's gonna be hard leaving uh, some people that are close and dear and near to my heart here. You know that's always something that um, you know is is probably prominent when anybody studies abroad for a semester for a year. Um, I I'm not nervous because I'm always prepared. I'm I'm only. Uh, Anxious? I'm I'm a little I'm a little anxious to get over there actually because right. I, I want to be there now. 
Um, but I, <laughs> I but I, I'm just feel. I'm just really curious to kind of see where it takes me, right? So I'm just I'm going into it with an open mind, open body, open soul, and so wherever you know the Lord leads me, that's where I'll go. And so whatever His ministry over there is what I need to do is what I need to do. So it it's it's just all kind of falling into place. So it's working out. I know a year ago, if I said, "Hey, you're going to the Philippines," you'd be like, <laughs> "Stop messing with me." You might, I don't know, you might not, but. You'd be in shock, though. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, every every year from high school to college, freshman year, freshman year to sophomore year, sophomore year to junior year, e- everything you would have told me a, a year prior, I would just have not believed. And so now I, I am super 100% comfortable with ambiguity. Um, and so I think that's one of my strong skill sets is working within ambiguity because I and that's one of my, the quotes that's in my book, actually, by one of my all time, you know, Mount Rushmore people, Will Smith, is that he says, Stay ready so you ain't got to get ready, right? And so every single one of those years, I was always ready for any opportunity that crossed my path, right? I'm not saying that freshman year I was ready to, you know, conquer the world, but freshman year I had developed my skill set as any freshman could, and then every subsequent year I built upon it, built upon it, built upon it. And so to me, everything was just continuous growth. So when people were asking, come to this party, you know, join this group, do this thing, it was like, is I, I always weighed it, right? And so this is where my economic mind comes in a sense is what is the the value of that, right? Exactly. What what is the what is the the counter value to that? And so, because people face trade-offs, that's principle literally number one or number two of microeconomics, which I'm pretty sure some of you are either going through or, or trying to pass that class. I was just right there with you. Um, and so that's literally how I how I live my life is everything has a plus and a minus, a black and a white, a good and bad, up and down. So I had to make sure I see both sides of the coin in order to weigh that value. I agree. I agree. I feel the same way. Um, that's how I look at some of the orgs that I've joined here on campus. Um there's a reason why I'm in every org that I'm in, <laughs> mm-hmm. always. Because if there's not a reason behind it, then what are you doing it for? Right. Unless like, there's always a reason behind something. Is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Like, me being in my choir group is not just for me to be in a choir group, but it's also to learn how to sing better mm-hmm. because that can help me with bookings and other things. See, I mean, there's there's yeah. purpose behind it. I like that. I never yeah. knew that. And I want to take a, a time to you know I've been talking a lot about myself, which I, I like and don't like at the same time. But I want to I want you to have a platform on your own show to talk about you know your your company myself? and your business. I would love uh, to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I might <laughs> I might go there. I don't know. I don't know. I've always see I made this because I've always wanted to have my own talk show and mm-hmm. have a special guest on like David Letterman. Yeah. Not speak about myself, but I like to really shine light on other people. That's amazing, man. So this is the closest thing I could do to a talk show right now because <laughs> this takes too many people for production in the studio. Right. But this works too, though. I like this. this I, is like, I do like this. I've been listening to all of them now, and I'm waiting for you know the the ones you have in the wings to drop. Yeah, and now it's on Apple Podcasts as well, people. So Shout that out. Apple check Podcast. that out. Apple yes, Podcasts, Spotify, every platform. Um. So, Ben, the word of the day is wolf, <laughs> and obviously your thing is lone wolf. So what does the word wolf mean to you? Yeah, so, uh, man, the, the word wolf to me has so many different inherent values. Uh, when I first started kind of branding myself as, as the lone wolf, I mean, I, I faced a lot of not backlash, but just, you know, teasing, stuff like <laughs> that. It, it was funny, and then there was also a lot of support. So, I mean, it was, a, again, a strange dichotomy of just – what everyday life is about. Um, 
so the wolf is something that started by my father. I mean, he and he and I didn't realize it, but he's been saying that ever since I was a child. You know, he always called himself the lone wolf because uh, my father is extremely. I mean, he's just like me. He's kind of a recluse, right? He just kind of stays to himself. He he has his family. It's all he needs. Uh, you know, he does everything he can for us, and he has his own dreams and aspirations that he fulfilled. Uh, before you know, he had the family and was married, and so he kind of has his whole life you know, that's really coherent and cognizant around the family, right, the Phillips empire. And so he would always say, you know, lone wolf, lone wolf, lone wolf. But to me, I would always take it, brush it to the side, because, you know, dads just be talking a lot yeah, <laughs> sometimes. <they do>. But um, <laughs> it, the I'll never forget the day when I typed in um, to, you know, the Internet, like, wolf in the Bible. And the first thing that pops up is Genesis 49, 27, which I now have, you know, tatted on my body, on my right arm. Um, because Benjamin means, you know, right hand, the right hand of God, or son of the right hand of God. Um, and so Genesis 49, 27 states that Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours his prey, and in the evening he divides his spoil. Mm. Right, and so that talks about the tribe of Benjamin and how that they would really just set out to conquer every day. They wouldn't procrastinate. They would get up early and conquer every single day as they devoured their prey, right? And in the evening they would divide the spoil. So when I look at that second half of the verse, it was that they did all of this stuff in the beginning. They would wake up before everybody. They would work while everybody was sleeping. They would do all these things in the morning. So not so they could benefit personally from their uh, adventures and advantageous, you know, kind of things that they were doing. So they could spread the soil. They would divide the spoil amongst the entire clan. So that, that always keeps me grounded because no matter how hard I work, Right, because J.C. Baker Associates. I mean, we're a million-dollar consulting firm. We do. I mean, we literally do work with any everybody to the tune of seven, eight figures. Right, but what keeps me grounded is that I'm doing it not for myself, but for the Phillips Empire. Right, from for my Filipino family, for for everybody that I've touched and who has touched me. I'm doing it to divide the spoil, so that way, as we look to grow black wealth in America, as we look to grow a global scale of shifting the poverty line as we look to do all these things, which is, I, I talk about world domination, but to me, world domination is world uh, world peace, world equalization of, of everything from socioeconomic standards to cultural boundary shifting. To me, that's what that verse means. Hmm. That That's a lot right there. And I know <laughs> y'all are hearing it. Um, kind of like a short version, kind of reminds me of um, when LeBron was struggling and he had to remind himself like why he plays basketball. He had to say, that he has fun doing this mm -hmm. but not only that but not so long ago this was just a dream to him and right. that's what humbles people because it's like wait a minute i understand you're on this platform now you're doing this this and that but just remember three years ago you weren't doing that and it was all just a dream literally so i feel like also keeping that close to you and knowing that will make sure you are humble yeah and and people and that's what i what i mean why people don't understand where I'm coming from when they say that I'm arrogant or prideful because sometimes I'll, I'll sit down and farm or while I wait to work or wait to play the piano or go to class or whatever, I'll literally sit there and read some chapters of my book, not because I'm so engrossed with myself or, <laughs> or obsessed with what I wrote, just to remind myself that this actually happened. Like sometimes I'll yeah. wake up and be like, this was real. Like I published a book. Right. And, and so I, n I never want to short myself because something that Dr. Baker, who was my, my primary mentor outside of the Lord and my father, uh, my, my business coach, my business mentor, is that you have to celebrate the small wins because it's so, so easy to get wrapped up in, in everything that's an L. Right. Class is failing. 
you know, girl broke up with you, you know, you broke, you know, got no money. I mean, all, I mean, all <laughs> yes, of that stuff, so I mean, much. that is a college reality, right? And so what I always tell people is that you can recognize those things, right? Because you never want to be oblivious to things that are happening to you. But it's about how you approach them, your mindset, and how you value them uh, compared to your wins. And so for me, people think it's prideful when I'm celebrating all of my small wins, but it's because I've had so many major failures that I yeah. need to make sure that I keep myself grounded. Yeah, I like that. Is there anything else you want to elaborate on or give advice to some people out there? Uh, man, so... One, check the book out. Not so I can make a buck. I don't really care about that. But just I, I really poured my soul into that. And that has all the tips um, that anybody in college or high school right now could, you know, really appreciate from one tip from a financial side. Uh, I'll give a financial and a real life one is just really make sure you're aware of your accounts. And, mm-hmm. and this really, really irks me because I've, I've spent a lot of money and I've earned a lot of money in college right right now right my, my palm is is just open as money flows in and flows out right <laughs> and so what i want people to understand is that you need to be aware who is auditing their accounts right who, who is looking at their bank statements every month right we'll go to brick or we'll go to you know pay uh dues or we'll look to pay you know whatever it is and then say i have no money or you know i i need my netflix and and hulu and title and Apple Music, all these things a month, but, you know, I have no money, right? Audit your accounts, people. Like, like look at where money is coming from. Look at where it's going and, and, and where it's exiting, right? So that's my number one thing that, that really irks me about today's generation is that they – and this is not everybody. I know a lot of people fur, further surpass me in this instant um, that manage their money. But just understand your money and manage it, right? We can't just walk around saying we're broke anymore because I know a lot of broke people who actually manage their money well. Right. Even though if it's a dollar here, they will stretch that dollar. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And my other real life example uh, or 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 tidbit of advice um, is talk to, you know, talk to a lot of people. And and this is one of the generic ones, but this is something that I've experienced in my in my tenure here. um, As I look at the tail end of my junior year is is really make sure you connect with people who you literally would never, ever see yourself talking to. Right. So my brother who boxes at the Miami Boxing Club, there's a, a kid. His name is Simon. He's Simon. From, yeah, that's yeah, my boy right yeah, there. Simon. Yeah. He's from Hong Kong. And so, I mean, if I would have if my brother wouldn't have been there as the connector between us, we would have never met, talked or done anything. But I mean, this man is he stayed at my house for winter break. Uh, you know, he cooked for us. You know, he put us on so much things and culture. And that's not only going to shape you as a person, but whether it's business, whether it's any type of job you do, that holistic view of the world will open not only your eyes, but your heart and your soul to so many different things. Right. Because everything I look at now, I'm not only looking at from from the crux and the position of an American or as a black man, but what what does the world think? Right. What 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 does the Philippines think of this choice? What does Hong Kong think of this? What are the markets in Hong Kong? What what is the culture in that? All of those things are going through my head when I look at what the NBA is doing in the NBA and 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 you know their their China scandal everything right. So all of that stuff just helps you to just grow as a person because I'm all about self elevation, self uh, inspiration, and self preservation. That was some word for y'all behinds, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Um, ben. Thank you so much for coming on the Little by Little podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. You're getting it done little by little, step by step, every day. <laughs> and um, we'll definitely have you on again. Pick a specific topic for you next time. But yeah. I think you did a great job, and I know whoever is listening to this is going to get something out of it. 
appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Hope you check everything out. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And I want you guys to come again and tell a friend.